BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoy, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And on this episode, who crashed into whom on the Utah ski slope? The optometrist or the really rich movie star? We'll talk about Gwyneth versus Terry, the ski crash trial on Max. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of These Are Their Stories podcast, my husband and love of my life, and fellow holodeck survivor, Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. What are you talking about? Holodeck survivor? Well, you know, the sphere feels like the holodeck. Let's get into that after you introduce everybody. Also with us is private investigator, certified pet detective, resident cat lady, and author of the Piper Green series of Cozy Mysteries, Laura Bricker. Hi, Laura. Hey, Rebecca. And finally, our resident Doubting Thomas, author of the City Trilogy of Novels, host of Strange Arrivals on our Patreon Deep Dive Book Club podcast host, Toby Ball. Hi, Toby. Hey, Rebecca. Hey, Toby. Do you know what the holodeck is? Uh, On the Starship Enterprise? Yes. I'm so proud of you. A pop culture reference that you know. Wow. I've, I've watched Star Trek, the original version. That's not the original version. That's the next There's generation. There's a holodeck in the original version. No, there is sure not. Sure there oh, is. Remember yes, it went there back is. to the, the Nazi Germany, no, right? No, that, that was the original Star Trek, and that was not the holodeck. That was a like time travel weird no. planet episode. There was no holodeck in the original Come Starship on. Enterprise. No, that was in the next generation. That the, was one of the, the big things. The internet is going to at whomever is wrong. They're not going to at me. I'm looking it up right now while you guys talk about They're this They're not going to at me because <laughs> I am a Trekkie from the way back but when did, time. But you said survive. Do people die in the holodeck? No. Well, there have been mishaps in the holodeck. But, uh, you know. No, but Kevin, we went to the fucking holodeck. For people who don't know what Rebecca is actually talking about, we went to the Sphere in Las Vegas. Which is the holiday. Which is this new venue, and it's called the Sphere, because it looks like a big round it ball. It is literally a sphere. On the outside, it's it's basically all covered, uh, you know, like a, a, a digital screen. And so it has, you know, different kinds of animation and different colors and stuff, and it looks crazy from the outside. But then on the inside, same thing. It's just all these screens, and it's an amphitheater for performance yes. center. Yes, And for the past couple of months... The residency there has been U2. My favorite band. So U2 comes out and, you know, they're already like a band that has been leaning into visuals technology. and technology. Their shows and their are live shows. insane, yeah. So you got to imagine like, the, how high is even the... Oh, hundreds of feet. Yeah. Yeah. Just being on the inside of a ball, right? So everything's, is that concave or convex? Everything's convex. Okay. You're inside of a ball. 
That's all you need to know. With, That's so bizarre. And what is it, like 12K? It's like some- 12K video and 168,000 speakers. It is fucking bananas. So the visuals are crazy. Yeah. It, it's fantastic. And so I think that's why Rebecca referred to it as Sometimes you're inside holiday. art. Sometimes you're inside the, and it turns into the outside. This is like an acid trip. Yeah. When you first walk in, it looks like you're in a raw room, or, but you realize the raw room is also fake. It looks like these concrete blocks and you're like, oh, wait. Those are also fake. And then there's like a hole in the roof that looks like the sky. And at one point there's birds flying around in there. And then you realize the fucking birds are fake, but they look super real. Oh, my God. One of the effects that happens in the U2 concert is that they make the sphere disappear and you're outside on Las Vegas, like on the strip. And it's super fucking real. And then these helicopters fly in in the desert and they look super real. It's wild. There's a time it's lapse crazy. thing in the desert where the sun like rises, you know, like for the that length of the song, it comes up and then goes overhead and back down again. And the like, lighting is beautiful. Li- yeah, it just fe- just the color temperature is such that you feel like you're outside. And there's a it little seems- bit of a breeze coming up in the seat in uh, front of you, so they make it feel like you're fucking outside. It anyway, is- oh my god! I guess it is the holodeck. It was the best event. I've ever been to in my entire life, not just the best concert I've ever been to ever been to in my entire life, period. It was incredible. And I will confidently say, if you're planning on going or if you know somebody, if you have a chance to go, even if you don't even like you two a little bit, you will love this show. It'll blow your mind. And I also want the venue is the star, right? I mean, it really is also great. They were great. They sounded great. They are they are a, a filet mignon paired with a really awesome bottle of wine. They're right? filet mignon p- paired with another filet mignon. <laughs> I've been cooking filet mignon all yeah. week. Yeah, yeah. There you go. But we're saying like you can follow your favorite band from one venue to the other and see a show. And like I said, that was really great. I want to see that show again and get on a plane and go see them in Orlando or wherever else. We will never see that show again. No. Anywhere, because it has to happen at the Sphere. Right. And no other venue, and it's got to be that, you know, that particular band. You know, they'll have other things come in, and if, the, you know, they're really thinking about, like, the ways to maximize the visuals and, and everything else. But it just, it was amazing. And we need to say hi to two folks. Yes. I want to say hello to Elizabeth and Lisa, two listeners who came out who were also uh, going to that show. And we met them and had drinks with them in Vegas, and it was so fun. Also Two rounds. Yes. I had to do a second round. We were I having had three so much rounds. Fun. It was oh, great. is that why it was so expensive? Yes, it was great. Those are not cheap cocktails. No, nothing in Vegas is cheap. That's true. And nothing in Vegas is small. I ordered a foot long hot dog and it was literally a foot long and two inches thick. Anyway, so Kevin, this is obviously Thursday's program. Yeah. What is coming up on Monday's program? On Monday, we're going to be talking about season four of Dr. Death. Bad magic. What's that about? Bad magic. Did David Copperfield do something else? I don't know. It's been on Wondery Plus and it's coming out to the world. So we're going to be talking about it. Okay. All right. And then is there anything else that we need to tease in? Is, is that it? We just I think get into that's what we're it for right about? now. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into the thing we're going to be talking about and um, drop that first clip. What do you think? Do it. Should we just go ahead and drop it down the hill? Do it. All right. Leading off. It was like somebody was out of control and going to hit a tree and was going to die. In 2016, a pair of skiers collided on the slopes of Utah's Deer Valley Resort. Retiree Terry Sanderson said the crash left him with brain damage and emotional pain. So he filed a $300,000 lawsuit against the other skier, A-list celebrity and weird wellness guru, Gwyneth Paltrow. The outcome of this Paltrow ski trial was really important to Gwyneth Paltrow's reputation. She definitely had a lot to lose. 
But Paltrow said Sanderson crashed into her. Rather than settle, she defended herself in court with an army of high-priced attorneys and expert witnesses. What might normally be a low-profile personal injury case turned into a televised cause celeb. It's only ever so often that we see these trials just take over the news cycle for all of the outlets, not only in the state, but in the country. Even the international outlets were picking it up and paying attention to what was going to happen with this ski slope case. The documentary, Gwyneth vs. Terry, The Ski Crash Trial from Discovery Plus and Max, looks back at the case that captivated pop culture. Was the actress using her star power to avoid responsibility? Or was the optometrist to blame and just looking for a payday? Spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about plot points from the true story from Gwyneth versus Terry. So if you want to remain spoiler free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes for our thumbs up or thumbs down reviews. Or don't look at a People magazine in your dentist office. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not your optometrist. So I'm just going to come out and say it. I think this could have been fucking awesome. And it just seems like they didn't try much to like include a lot of the most interesting elements of this thing in this story. What do you think, Laura? Because this was only, what, like an hour long? Yeah, I think this was kind of lame. So I go on and it's, I'm like, okay, it's on Max. And I go in and it's like episode one. And then I was like, oh, wait, that was it? There was only one episode? It just felt like... One hour of this, we hear from one juror, Sport TV reporter, Daily Mail reporter, the ex-girlfriend of Terry. And I don't know, they, they throw in a few like personal injury attorney people. But I just felt like, why was this even on Max? Why was this even made into a documentary and not just something on like one of the traditional sort of network shows like 2020 or something, I mean, which might have even felt a little bit more fleshed out than this did. Well, Laura, I don't know if you kind of got the sense of like they were making breaks where a commercial might go. I think this originated because Discovery Plus is one of the producers that this was probably an investigation discovery oh, television special. Okay. And that they cut it down and they thought because they're all owned by the same corporate daddy that they could, you know, this is something that would go well on Max. But to your point, it does kind of suffer from that. Yeah. Um, and it's not a, a traditional documentary in, in, in that way. And you always ask, like, why now? I ask, why at all? Why at all? <laughs> because this probably is like the lowest stakes celebrity legal proceeding. And it just seems like so dumb to even present no. it as they have. There, are, But I agree. And I have. want to talk about the other elements where they could have gone. Yeah. But I, as this, it just seems like very rudimentary. But I want to give Toby a chance to weigh in because his first note really surprised me. Yeah. Toby, you want to just read your first note out loud? I said, better than I was expecting, though the bar was really low. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I didn't know anything about this. Of course not. I uh, every every moment was a new revelation to me. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> it's extremely modest. <laughs> yeah, you know, I didn't stick around at the end, but I was wondering. Like, it kind of feels like if Gwyneth Paltrow was like, "I've got a day to make a documentary about my trial," like she might have come up with something like this. Like when it was over, I was like, oh, well, I know, you know, what I happened? know what the winners feel like, you know, <laughs> uh, but they have this one guy who in the face of 
According to this documentary, like pretty uncontrovertible evidence that Gwyneth Paltrow was not to blame. It's like, well, I think it was really like a matter of she had all these resources to be able to do all this stuff. And this other guy didn't have much resources at all. So I'm not sure the right verdict came out. Right. But that's all you hear about it, right? right? That idea is not looked into in the slightest. There's a lot that's not looked into in the slightest. Okay. I am so pissed about this. You know how Lara was was like, I haven't been as angry about anything as I am about the runaway princesses. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel about this, but in a, <gasps> for a different way and a different reason. I'm okay. not like Justice Hackles angry about it. I'm angry because this could have been fucking awesome because there's so many interesting things to tackle here. One of the interesting things to tackle is this is much lower stakes than, say, the Johnny Depp Amber Heard case. It's much lower stakes. This isn't about domestic violence. This isn't about murder. This isn't about, like, you know, something that's become like this incredibly fraught sociopolitical situation, right? So it is an excellent opportunity to examine celebrity culture and when it intersects with the criminal legal system. It's an excellent fucking opportunity to examine that, right? And so we have now this woman who is worth in the hundreds of millions of dollars. And for those who don't understand that, it's because Gwyneth Paltrow is a bullshit wellness guru. She owns this company, Goop, which sells people bullshit wellness shit. Listen to the maintenance phase episode about Goop. That's all you have to do. It's fucking great. Anyway, she has made money grifting off of wellness culture for years. She's super fucking rich. And she countersued for a dollar. She had no reason to go to court for this. It's a low stakes case. If she was found like guilty of skiing into this guy, who cares? Her reputation is going to be fucking fine. It's why? Why, 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 why? There's an interesting question to be asked there that wasn't asked. The PR machine, you know, what's in it for celebrities? What's in it? Like, it's so fucking interesting. Like the media landscape. Um, and that's only one of the interesting questions. There are no fewer than 500 articles about Gwyneth Paltrow's wardrobe during this trial. And it's not that her clothes itself are interesting. It's why are there so many articles about her clothes that are interesting? And Kevin, there was none of that. There was no examination of any layers to this at all. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's what I was kind of hoping for was that it was going to be using the trial to as a a way to examine pop culture and celebrity in media culture in media. Yeah, now I think some of the inspiration to make the project probably came from the Amber Heard. Johnny Depp trial and I think they probably like producers and networks probably believe this is going to be the next big celebrity story but if you want to compare this to the superior Depp versus her documentary that was on uh, Netflix it told the legal story which in that case was substantial but it also did that deep dive into the social media landscape and how that shaped public opinion and all those sort of interesting secondary and tertiary issues. So in Gwyneth versus Terry, they get they get like this quick pass through to cover those things, but really super on the surface. And they really had an opportunity to go deeper and even comment on like, you know, the point could have been that this was so low stakes. That compared to the attention that it got, like it wasn't worthy of that. It didn't go and do that. And I really thought it might do some, you know, cultural examination because there's certainly more meat on them bones than on this. Yeah. So, Laura, I have a question for you. Like, why would Gwyneth Paltrow spend 
way fucking more than $300,000, I'm guessing, to go to court against this guy. Like, it's really, I mean, there's a question there, right? There's a question there. I don't know. I mean, there is a question there. And I mean, obviously, at the end, we hear about how this was so good for her image. But you can't really know how it's going to end when you're going in. Like, you can't go in assuming that you're going to win and that this is going to be good for your image. It's like, is it because you're, you've are you got the means? It's like a principle thing if you feel like, oh, actually, I didn't do this. It's fascinating. And I think, again, I'm thinking about like image and I'm thinking about that, that facial expression she does through the whole trial where she's just like, <laughs> like, I'm like. <laughs> she's an Academy Award winning actress, Laura Bricker. <laughs> I know. And so what I want to say, like to piggyback on that is that like as a legal observer, watching how she carried herself in the courtroom and then watching how she testified and knowing how much she paid those lawyers, all I can think about is the amount of preparation that went on behind the scenes for that testimony with mock cross-examination, mock direct examination, bringing in pretend jurors and like focus groups to like watch her testimony and give feedback. And, And I'm thinking like all of that we know went on behind the scenes in this trial, like a theatrical production, because a lot of that happens in regular trials where you, you, you know, it's, it's very common to do like mock cross and mock direct on people that are going to be testifying to sort of prepare them. But she has a whole nother level of resources at her disposal to take that preparation to a level that's, like you said, Academy Award winning. So it's just like, you can't understand. You're like, why would you waste so much time on this case? Not even the time, Laura. I mean, the, he was asking for $300,000. Like, and she probably spent money. multiples. Yeah. That's like one bag of like goop face products. Or Absolutely. She's more than that of the clothes she wore to the trial. Yeah. I mean, it just would be so much easier. That's go away money for her, right? Yeah. Um, so, but to her, it's like, it's not about the money, which is what we say about Patreon. It's not about the money. Oh. It's about supporting your favorite podcasters. That's right. We're not asking you to spend $9,000 in a weekend to give our kids ski lessons. No. If no, it's not about the money, why don't we just give it away for free, Kevin? Shut the fuck up, Toby Ball. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I tell you, you can get stuff for free at Patreon. Look, if you haven't, you can listen to the audio previews of all of our stuff. I think you get three to five minutes of the audio previews of things like... Give you a little taste. Give you a little taste of each episode, including the Crime Writers on After Show, Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club podcast, and Laura Bricker's Leave It to Bricker podcast. Laura, quickly, what are you you working on for Leave It to Bricker? Oh, this is, I think, probably the most unusual Leave It to Bricker. I say that every time, (laughs) but there is a story that has come to my attention in a neighboring town in New Hampshire, in Atkinson, New Hampshire... About a diaper spa. Yeah. This is where adults wear diapers and have uh, comforting engagements. Comforting encounters. No, it's being billed as therapy for people that need to feel loved and cozy and, and enjoy the smell of baby powder and sugar cookies. Yeah. Um, but I have my very good friend lives <laughs> in the neighborhood. <laughs> Sorry. That is okay. That's what it says on the website. It yeah. says... Our place spells like sugar cookies and baby powder. And piss. By the way, baby powder like will give you fucking cancer. You know that, well, right? Really? It's very Why? cozy, yes. Rebecca. <laughs> and you can go and you can cuddle and smell like baby powder. So anyway, my very good friend who actually um, was one of my college roommates, um, maid of honor in my wedding, lives in the neighborhood where this diaper spa has opened up in this neighboring town. So we're going to go do some surveillance. And I'm just... 
I have so many questions. I can't even begin to name them here, but I'll get to the bottom of it. We also have a new thing uh, for our listeners. We have an Amazon storefront where you can see some of our favorite things. Rebecca, what are this week's Amazon recommendations? Well, Kevin, I have a bunch of stuff in my housewares list on Amazon that I would recommend. Some of that stuff would be great as a Valentine's Day gift for the person in your life maybe who loves to cook. That's what I would recommend. And Toby, what are your listener-inspired deep-cut recommendations? Uh, my recommendations, Kevin, are a uh, DU Care makeup brush cleaner, makeup brushes, solid soap cleanser with color removal, sponge brush, cleaning mats, silicon, makeup cleaning, cosmetic cleaner. Um, you can get that. Or you can get a Red Barn Bully Slices for Dogs, highly palatable, long-lasting natural dental treats with functional ingredients, nine ounces in a pack of two, original bully. Those are my two <laughs> recommendations. Wow. Mm. So specific. Yeah, very good, very deep cuts there. Shop us first at Amazon.com slash shop slash Crime Writers On. We earn commissions on qualified purchases. All right, Kevin, before we wrap up the business section, do we have any Patreon patron saints of the week this week? Our Patreon patron saints are Rebecca Wheeler and Shanna Feldman. Bless you. Yes, bless you, Rebecca. Bless you, Shannon. Bless you, everybody who supports us on Patreon. And bless you to those who just listen to the business section anyway because you think it's funny or entertaining. But seriously, I encourage you to join our Patreon. It's real fun back there. And, uh, you know, we got a lot going on. Kevin, should I return to the podcast now? Let's do it. All right. Kevin, you thought this show needed a strong start. Yeah, just like we all need a strong start with a good breakfast. Yes. You can get one from HelloFresh. Oh, my goodness. HelloFresh, uh, you're not going to do the Ola Fresco? Ola Fresco, but I have something to say about the breakfast, man. Well, that's what we're talking about. Whether you're trying to save money, eat better, or stress less, HelloFresh is here to help you do all three. Say hello to the most delicious year yet with fresh ingredients and chef-crafted recipes at a price you'll like, delivered right to your door. We always talk about their wonderful meals, but as you will find out from this special, you can get breakfast for life from HelloFresh. Um, so we got some breakfast that included some savory waffles. Hey, and, uh, what? Belgian waffle. Just yes. leaving it. I have eaten these Belgian waffles. Kevin, mm-hmm. I have a secret. Yeah. I don't just eat them for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> I've had it for lunch like twice. I love the Belgian waffles. Yeah, I had these wonderful egg bites that were, you know, egg and sausage, egg and spinach. I had some great different varieties. And look, that's the thing about HelloFresh anyway. You do HelloFresh for dinner because it's fast, it's simple, delicious. It's fresh. It takes a str- it's fresh, right? And so here you are getting some breakfast along with it, just adding to your repertoire. Because who wants to spend a lot of time making breakfast first thing in the morning? These things are so convenient. It takes just a minute to make yeah. these things. So go to HelloFresh.com slash Crime Free. Crime Free. And use code Crime Free. Crime Free. <laughs> for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's what they mean by life. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash Crime Free. Crime Free. With code Crime Free. Crime Free. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. 
It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. So Toby, why do you think Gwyneth Paltrow so vigorously defended herself in court for that $1 um, (laughs) payday? Well, based on this 58 minutes of knowledge that I have about this case. (laughs) You're an expert. What I came away with was probably she was skiing, some guy plowed into her and then was like, oh, by the way, I'm going to sue you for $300,000. And she was like, this is madness. He's probably doesn't want to go to court. He just wants to get a settlement out of it to make it go away. Like happens all the time. She's like, you know what? Fuck that. Like this guy ran into me. I'm drawing the line here. I'll take him to court. Like, let's go through with it. You know, there's gotta be a line drawn. You're not just going to keep like writing checks to people who like do stuff to you and then want to make it worth your while to pay the money to make them go away. So I, that doesn't really surprise me a ton. Yeah. Yep. Well, thank you for explaining it to us, Toby, because that would have been fucking great if someone in the documentary got into that kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) To talk about like extortion culture and celebrities and that possibility of people like, you know, threatening celebrities with lawsuits and when it's worth fighting them and when it isn't. Very interesting stuff. Yeah, another reason could be, and I want to go back to the uh, the Johnny Depp Amber Heard case, is that Johnny Depp, in part, brought his suit uh, as a public relations gambit. Right, he needed to save his personal and professional reputation from being labeled a domestic abuser. Which court in England did did label him, right? Yes. Right, and so he was willing to go to any length, any cost, pull out all the stops, right, with his resources, his zeitgeist, and like his courtroom victory. The narrative is that. He's vindicated and she's a liar, whether everybody agrees with that or not. That was sort of what came out. So maybe not as vile, but I I do think that Paltrow's motivation for not settling in part and, you know, spending 10 times more in money and legal fees to win the judgment. It just it could be reputation or pride or vanity or indignation. But I think that when we say it isn't about the money, she seemed to be motivated by other things, but this isn't the worst thing in the world. You know, this wasn't like a drunk driving accident or accused of sexual assault or any like these really big things. I keep saying like never before have the stakes been so low. No, no. One of the things that was very interesting to me, Laura, was that she was awarded legal damages and she, she declined to let him pay her legal fees. Thank God she declined because not only did she have all those legal fees and those expert fees, but she also had to pay a bunch of animators in Korea or wherever to make a goddamn recreation video of this ski accident, which I found to be probably one of the most prejudicial pieces of evidence I have ever seen in a trial like this. Were you waiting to see the little guys giving hand jobs in the (laughs) (laughs) American Vandal reference. American Vandal asked Laura, what did you think when you saw that they rolled out 
out this incredible reconstruction video, which basically just was her telling of the story. And then the juror was like, well, then when I saw the video, I totally understood what happened. And I was like, <laughs> of no, course you, you did. saw a video that was a cartoon of what Gwyneth Paltrow says happened. <laughs> Logically speaking, this video not only lines up with what Gwyneth Paltrow said, but what Eric Christensen said and what Dr. Shear said. I think once you see it and you see it all happen and how the bodies move and how the collision happens, that's something that can stick in your brain. That's really damning for Terry Sanders and team. That was absolutely fucking bonkers. And the way that they framed it with the guy who's like, and I am here to tell you about biomechanics or whatever it was that he said, blah, 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 blah. Like he's like a scientist. And then he's like, and here's this cartoon. But like they kept playing it and playing it. And I'm like, I just want to go online and watch that now. I mean, it was fascinating, especially right down to how like his skis went through her skis and then they toppled to the side. And then I would also like to explore the grunting part of that oh, whole yeah, thing yeah. that happened at that point, because that part was really bizarre. I don't know if anyone else found that. Which she, I did. Yeah. yeah. I, I thought that was weird because she was like grunting and then she's like insinuates that it was like a sexual grunting. And then it's like, no, that wasn't what it was. But that was my first thought. But that wasn't what it was. But it seemed you know? to resonate with that juror when she talking about that. Is this a practical joke? Is someone like doing something perverted? This is really, really strange. When something like that happens where you feel like you're being sexually assaulted, that's a different kind of memory. That's a different kind of thing where you're going to always be traumatized by that. Toby, didn't you enjoy on the on the video that they even had things where there's like your kids with their stupid names? There's Apple <laughs> and there's Moses. <laughs> It's like an Xbox game. Yeah, it, And the ski instructor and everybody had a special color to follow. They should, have, they should have made them like those little me's like in the Wii things with like the huge heads <laughs> yeah. and like and their the, arms going like this. And then this. when the crash went, you heard, oh. I mean, it's, it's amazing that that was let in. Yeah. Civil, civil case, right? It's going to look great at the sphere. <laughs> I was just watching the whole thing. I was like, what the hell is this based on? Like, there's literally... Her recollection. Like, what inputs are you putting into this thing to make it come out like this? What she said. Those were the inputs. But it's just like, well, this guy... I mean, it was so precise about where yeah. the kids are and, like, how fast different people are going and stuff. It's like, there's no way you can know these things. Like, if you're she's just downhill from him, she can't be an eyewitness to the direction he came from, Right. If she says that the first thing she knows is there's two skis between her legs, I mean, how does she know he made this wide turn and then, yeah. you know, I, the you're right. Where do the data points come to from? To be fair, someone can crash into you going uphill while skiing if they are traversing. A hundred percent. She could have been uphill and he could have crashed into her. That's a thing that could have happened. Like, he could have traversed and she could have been facing the other way. And she, he, I mean. She essentially could have passed him and then, yeah. My feeling is. Is that if you're looking to draw the line somewhere, you don't draw the line on one where you're actually at fault. Yeah. You draw the line on one where some other guy is just trying sure. to exploit the fact that he ran you down. Toby, I don't think we're trying to guess like who's at fault here. I think we're just talking about how fucking bananas this procedure was. Well, so the whole thing was like, I feel like you could do like a season of like Fargo or something where you just take it from that other guy's point of view and he's just like some dude like he doesn't seem like he's like super well off right but he doesn't seem like he's hurting but he's just like he gets into an accident on the ski slopes 
sees it's Gwyneth Paltrow is like, this is going to be the easiest freaking payday in the world. I'll threaten to sue her for $300,000. Mm-hmm. She gives me $80,000. I've got $80,000. And, and then suddenly she's now. like, no, I want to take it to court. And he's like, oh, fuck. Well, uh, maybe I'll give it a shot there. And it's just like he's in way, way, way over Oh, his totally. Head. Yeah, and when his girlfriend said, like, he became a different person, he became cranky, I'm like, you know what? If I was being countersued by Gwyneth Paltrow, I would be fucking cranky, too. I mean, I think the thing is, like, the low stakes are for Gwyneth Paltrow. The stakes for this guy are huge. Like, the only thing anybody knows about him now, other than, like, his close-knit circle of friends and family, is that he's the guy who fucking BS sued Gwyneth Paltrow. (laughs) Yeah. He's like that dentist who shot the lion. Lara, what were you going to say? <laughs> oh, what I was going to say is the only one more over their head is Craig, his friend who has to testify, who, despite having gotten his hair dyed before testimony, <laughs> clearly getting ready for his court appearance, yes. was... Doesn't have a collar big enough for his neck. Oh, Craig, like... Just watching that guy testify, it was like, it was painful because he was like, and then he fell and Gwyneth fell on. And I'm like, when they, and then when they like redirected and he was just like, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little confused. I'm dyslexic when I talk. I'm dyslexic (laughs) when I, that was it. Did you say that today? Uh, No, what I I meant to say, I, I, I get dyslexic when I get nervous. No, he, he said that your buddy just got Gwyneth. Okay, so Christensen always said your buddy took out Gwyneth Paltrow, right? Yes. All right. Listen, I'm not this clearly, clearly not in any way mocking dyslexia, but A, that's not how dyslexia yeah. works. And, and B, no, 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 Craig, no. Maybe the lawyer just tricked you into reversing your own words. And you said yes, because he's a high-priced attorney. Very Cone Brothers. It is. You know, Toby, that is 100% right. This is like a Cone Brothers thing. It's almost like even if he thinks he's right, he's totally in over his head. There is a world, Kevin, in which uh-huh. Terry believes he's right. He's just, he's wrong, but he believes he's right, right? Yeah, absolutely. Which I actually kind of land on that side of that he's completely wrong. But believes he's right because men. No offense, guys. That fucking happens to you guys all the time. I'll also I'll also <laughs> kind of say that it does make sense that he would just assume that Gwyneth Paltrow had insurance and the insu- and like the insurance company would negotiate that and they'd be like, yeah, three hundred thousand, fine, take eighty. And they Toby's do. right, and they yes, and I will take eighty. He didn't think he was going to walk she away. She does with zero. have insurance, of course she does, and she fought it anyway, and. She's paid more than that for ski lessons for her kids. But I think, I really do think he thought he was right. I really do. I don't think he was trying to scam her. No, there's one thing that came up, well, in the documentary that I didn't know anything about. And it seemed like it was going to be really interesting. And they just kind of went boing and bounced out of it, which was. Which one thing was that? Well, it was the testimony of his daughters. Okay. Oh, yeah. There was like one daughter and they just like, what was this about? Why is the lawyer going after him? It just seemed like everybody's saying, oh, that was horrible. It was like. It was to show he's a shitty person. How they turn them against each other. They turn them against each other. But we don't see any. We don't get any context before. And everyone's saying like it was like really went hard after his daughters. We didn't really see that or get any sort of meaningful commentary on that. Right, Toby? Yeah, a hundred percent. And that was the moment at which I was like, is Gwyneth Paltrow like an executive producer on this? 
Because it seems like the kind of thing that you would just kind of skip over if you're trying to make yourself look good. Like I hired these freaking pit bull lawyers and I'll show the stuff where they're like gently questioning people and I'll just kind of allude to the like the hardcore stuff, but not really show it. When they turned his daughters against each other, that bothered me a lot because I knew all three of those girls. My sister Jenny yes or no, has please. mental disability. I, I just have yes or no questions. This was poor storytelling. If that's such an important point, it's like everything that was interesting, that could have been interesting, could have been mined, was just passed over so they could give a Sparks Notes version of what happened at this eight-day trial. Well, like the juror who was recording herself every night doing a recap video on her phone. That was, I'm like, yeah. what was that about? Yeah. Oh, because she knew that someday she might be in a documentary. Yeah. And she might need the fucking video. Yeah. So apparently... Terry Sanderson sent an email to his daughters with a subject line. I'm famous. At what cost? On the day of the incident, he described the email subject line as a way to make light of it. He said that he had a strained relationship with her. They're saying that they don't communicate well as he does with the other two daughters. I think it was just to make him seem like a shitty person. That was sort of like the. You're getting this from the Internet, right? I'm literally and not the documentary. Uh, yes, I'm yeah. getting from the Internet. I just Googled it for two seconds and that's what I'm mm -hmm. getting it from. Yes, that's my take now that I'm an expert on it after 30 seconds of Googling. Maybe they didn't want this to go too long. <laughs> they didn't want it to go 59 minutes. Yeah. The best part of this entire thing, in my opinion, was the earnest British tabloid reporter <laughs> talking about it like it's the most fucking important thing that's ever happened and i was like my god dude this is your life yeah but from my favorite british tabloid the daily mail mm. yes yes <laughs> kevin even the title is inaccurate right yes it's inaccurate but it certainly says a lot about the production it's called gwyneth versus terry so using like their first names I think it's, it's an excuse just to get Gwyneth's name up front and you to think? like grab eyeballs. But it's actually Sanderson versus Paltrow. Of course. He's the plaintiff and she's the respondent, right? And it's not the other way around. So it's just, again. Isn't she also, didn't she counter Sue? So isn't she also She did, but, it, but he, well, no, she's making a counter claim, but he is the plaintiff and mm. she is the, uh, they say defendant. I, I don't think in a civil trial in Utah, that's the term of art they use. Here it would be a petitioner and a respondent or a plaintiff and a respondent. But in any event, it wasn't Gwyneth Paltrow first. She didn't file. Not that we're looking for a lot of accuracy in the title of an hour-long documentary, but it, it just told me something else, which was, yeah, this was designed to be a celebrity, a fun light, shallow celebrity piece. If and only it were that. If only it were that. If only we got into the quiet luxury of her clothing. If only it were that. I know. Her candle that yeah. smells like her vajayjay. Hey now. Oh, jeez. Hey oh, now. Oh, oh, does it really? Hey ew, now. Ew, 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 hey ew. now, hey now, hey now. You, you don't know yeah. about this? Yeah. Even yes. Toby knows about this. They also sell the vagina steamer. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, yeah. anyway. I think it's just that her vagina smells like a candle is what it. Okay. That sounds like something for the like diaper spot. It's like, going, it's like going to Yankee Candle. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Your Space Coast vacation is preparing for liftoff. Start counting down now. 10, 9, 8, 7, it's time for a beach vacay that feels like heaven. 6, 5, 4, come explore Melbourne and the beaches. 3, 2, 1, it's time for some rocket-filled fun. Count down to your best beach vacation ever on Florida's Space Coast. Launch your planning now at visitspacecoast.com. All right, let's do what we do and let our listeners know, should they check out Gwyneth versus Terry on Max? Laura Bricker, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for Gwyneth versus Terry? I'm going to give this a thumbs down just because I think it was like stupid and shouldn't have been made. It wasn't like there was like anything like wrong with like the production value or anything or the information being inaccurate. It just to me, I just sort of felt like, why? Like I say all the time, why now? This was heavily covered. This was covered on Court TV. This was all over the place in every tabloid when I'm getting my hair done, getting my nails done, whatever. If you want a quick overview on the case, go watch it. But I don't see any reason to watch this. So thumbs down. Toy Ball, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for Gwyneth versus Terry? So I just have to say that coming from a standpoint of not knowing anything about this when it started, it is a pretty concise little package of (laughs) what the case was. And you don't have to really care very much about it. Apparently, there's a whole lot of other things you could do stuff with. But if you're just going to focus on the the set of information they have, it's like one of those. This case looks strong for the, the plaintiff, but here comes the defendant and it looks even stronger. And this is what happened. So, you know, I guess I'll give it a thumb sideways. It goes by fast. They didn't like buff it out with anything. And if you have no clue, like what the ending is. There's a little bit of suspense to it. So it's upbeat and easy to dance to? Is that what you're saying? (laughs) It's fucking, you know, it's just, it's like the least important thing ever. So anyway, I'll I'll give it a thumb sideways because I'm that type of person. Love that for you. Kevin Flynn. I can't believe Toby Ball liked this more than I I did. I love it. Even if it's marginally. I'm a thumbs down. I love Uh, this. I love this so much. This is the best one hour documentary of the year. (laughs) (laughs) So it's also the worst. Um, I thought this was a pretty lame idea for any kind of crime documentary, unless you're going to look at some of the larger issues here. And they really did not. And I think that in and of itself is sort of a commentary on celebrity crime news is that it's just about the most interesting thing about this trial is who the respondent was and not anything to do with the facts of the case. And it's very easy to make one hour of television by bringing in six new guests and a bunch of archival footage from an eight day trial. It was thin and lazy and um, it's a thumbs down. Okay, I'm so fucking disappointed. I'm giving this a thumbs down because there is an incredible documentary that could have been made from this story and this was not it. And I suspect I know why. Why? Because if the documentary that could have been made from this was made from this, Gwyneth Paltrow would have taken those people to fucking court and pummeled the shit out of them. 
I think she has demonstrated <laughs> that she is. She made an example of the biggest guy <laughs> in the, on the cell block. I don't know. I don't know. But there's an incredible documentary to be made about Gwyneth Paltrow, by the way. And this case would have been an awesome way to frame it. But anyway, even if it wasn't about Gwyneth specifically, there is so much good stuff here that was not mined. And I was so disappointed. And I there were so many basic questions that weren't asked. Hey, juror, why were you taking footage of yourself documentary style, giving a debrief every night in your hotel room? I don't know. Maybe did one day you think this was going to be a media thing you might be able to use? So many questions. Um, anyway. Hey, did the broken ribs mean something about maybe who hit the ground first? Anyway. Lots of questions and, and lots of just basic stuff that like... Even if it was just going to be fun and light, include the thing about the clothes. For God's sakes, that was actually kind of important to the pop culture narrative. Um, Anyway, thumbs down for me. And I'm just hugely disappointed because I was, as Kevin knows, super looking forward to watching this one. Sorry, guys. Thumbs down for me for Gwyneth versus Terry. All right, that's going to do it for us. But before we go, Laura Bricker, do we have a cat of the week this week? We do have a cat of the week this week from Down Under. All right. Now, I don't know the actual name of the person who sent this to me because they sent it to me on Instagram as Fleur and Betty. (laughs) Mm, Okay. But they run the Riverland Youth Theater in country South Australia. We work with some really vulnerable young people with things like food insecurity, gender dysmorphia, domestic violence, homelessness, anxiety, depression, isolation, and so on. Combine arts and well-being in everything they do. Our theater cat, Pussy Riot. Oh, has been a key part of our well-being team. She always knew which kid needed to be purred on. She was our official greeter, an enthusiastic, if inaccurate, typist, Uh-oh. a sitter on of important documents. She joined every class, including the babies and toddlers lying down with the toys and tolerating small, overly grabby hands. I'm hearing some past tense here. Is this bad? No, no, don't worry. Oh, okay. No. One of our teens who recently won an award writing about their gender dysmorphia told me a few weeks ago that Pussy Riot always seems to know when they're experiencing gender dysmorphia and will settle on, quote, either my boobs or my uterus, which are the parts I feel weirdest about and need it until I feel better. Well, Pussy Riot has just been retired from her duties Aww. because the person who sent this to me is going to be on maternity leave and our hours will be changing. She is a social butterfly and we knew she wouldn't like so much alone time. So she's moved into a house with other young queer country people to keep doing good work on a smaller scale. Pussy Riot is a total champion and has helped many young people find their safe place. So, Pussy Riot, I love you. I love everything about this story, except for the part where it was past tense and I was worried that this cat was dead. Yeah, I know, because you hate it when I do like these things where the animals have died yes. or got a horrible disease. And I'm like, how something. is that a cat of the week? That was a cat of last week, Laura. No, no, Pussy Riot. Pussy Riot is living another day. Nice. All right, if Laura, folks want to reach out to you, of course, they can submit their animals to crimewriterson at gmail.com or put them in our Facebook group. But if they want to reach out to you personally online to submit any kind of animal to be pet of the week in pop culture or a personal animal or a work animal, how can they find you online? They can find me at Laura Bricker on Twitter or Instagram. Toy Ball, folks want to reach out to you and pitch other short documentaries where you can learn a lot about pop culture shit you missed. How can they find you online? At Toby Ball NH. 
Kevin Flynn, what about you? How can you be found? I'm a Kevin P. Flynn. And if you want to follow me everywhere, you can find me at Reb Lavoy. I do have some videos from The Sphere on my Instagram at Reb Lavoy. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Crime Writers On and everywhere at Crime Writers On, including YouTube. But I encourage you mostly to join our incredible community in our official Crime Writers On Facebook discussion group. Just find us on Facebook when you find our page. There's a link there for how to join the group. We'll let you in if you're not a jerk. Get episodes early and ad-free at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. You'll also get the Crime Writers on After Show, Married with Podcast, Laura Bricker's Leave it to Bricker Podcast, and Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club Podcasts. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons. Our line editor is the very handsome Livy Burdett. The executive producer of this program is Kevin Flynn. This show was recorded in the Treehouse Yoga Studio above the Mockingbird Cafe in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi Studio, otherwise known as Studio C The Closet, in our New Hampshire basement where we also have a hard time remembering the difference between pizza and french fries while skiing. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. later. And there's a little bit of a breeze coming up in the seat in uh, front of you, so they make it feel like you're fucking outside. It anyway. is. Oh, my God. Feels like you're fucking outside. It feels like yeah. you're outside. Wow. You're fucking I, outside. <laughs> I mean, that was a little bit more personal than yes. I was expecting. It's the, the wind on your tush. <laughs> Partners in crime media. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.